Brandon Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Emily Engelnatsky, video coach with the Hershey Bears. Emily, as many people may know, recently earned the promotion to Hershey following a stint with Wisconsin in a similar role. Of course, this interview was conducted prior to the move, but we wanted to highlight the promotion and it's a testament to the work that Emily has put in from day one. For those who have followed the podcast to date, Emily was also featured in our video coaching roundtable and brings a lot of different elements, thoughts, and ideas to the table. So be sure to listen close and follow her as she continues to progress in the game. Without further ado, here is Emily Engelnatsky, video coach with the Hershey Bears. Today we're joined by Emily Engelnatsky, Assistant Director of Operations and Video Coordinator with the men's hockey team at University of Wisconsin. Emily, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on again. Uh, people will recognize you from the uh, Roundtable series, which was released a little while back, but um, I think it's very interesting to get you on as well to just talk about your individual stories. So let's dive right into it. Maybe talk about your uh, upbringing, touch on where you're from, and then talk about, uh, you know, your uh, playing sports in your early age. Absolutely. So I grew up mostly in Colorado and Wisconsin. Um, we moved around a little bit uh, growing up, but primarily those are the two places that I lived. Um, and I was just a sports nut, like growing up. I tried pretty much every sport, like soccer, baseball, softball, um, and I really wasn't exposed to hockey until about fifth grade. Uh, We were living in Colorado, and some of the neighbor kids were playing roller hockey, and my brother and I, who's a year older, we thought it was pretty cool. Um, So our parents signed us up, and I pretty much fell in love um, and kind of became obsessed and um, at that time the Colorado Avalanche were really good. Um, They kind of had the dream team with Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg, Patrick Waugh, like they were just stacked. Um, So it was a really exciting time to kind of be introduced to the sport and that's really where I fell in love. Um, And then we moved to Wisconsin when I was in sixth grade and that's when I started playing ice hockey and it kind of opened up this new world because like it was way more popular in Wisconsin than it was in Colorado and the high school that I would have gone to had their own arena like on campus. So it was kind of eye opening. And I really just, I just fell in love with it. Like no one else in my family played hockey. Um, So they were kind of like, God, like this is all you talk about. You know, you just love hockey. Um, And so I kind of just stuck with it, played in high school, played a little bit in college, and um, it's just been something I look forward to. Yeah, no, it's great to hear those experiences, and people might get tired of me asking that question every single time, but it's one of those things I like to hear about because a lot of times people aren't involved in hockey or they get exposed to hockey, um, you know, in a situation like being around that Colorado team. Uh, I was reading about them just the other day, and Uh, you know, the immense amount of talent that was there. It's hard not to be drawn into the sport and and then being able to play it yourself and and get some experience there. It definitely would lead to something later in your career. So maybe uh, touch on your schooling next. Uh, I know you have some experience with video and things like that. So 
talk about that process uh, of your schooling and how it prepared you to work in video coaching, you know, later down the road. Yeah, so I actually majored in film production um, at the University of Colorado. And mostly for people who wanted to go into, as I call it, the business, like they wanted to move to LA or New York and they wanted to make movies or they wanted to work on TV shows. Um, so I was really kind of the only jock in my program. Um, you know, I would show up in like my hockey hoodie or like my hockey warm ups, and I had to go like straight to practice right after class. Um, so I was kind of the like odd man out or the outlier, I would say. Um, and I didn't know what video coaching was. I had no idea that, that was a career or something that I could do. Um, but after I graduated, my coach that I had at CU um, was asked to be an assistant coach for the World University Games, um, which is kind of like a mini uh, Winter Olympics for, I guess, amateur athletes. Um, so they take players from U Sports um, and in ACHA hockey in the States. And she called me and asked if I wanted to do video. And I was like, yeah two, three week trip to Italy. Like that sounds great. Um, and looking back, I had no idea what I was doing. I just was kind of flying by the seat of my pants. Um, but that was really kind of how I got exposed and, um, realized that this was something that I could make a career out of. So definitely having that film background helped me understand, you know, different aspect ratios and kind of the technical side of video. Yeah, it's, it definitely would help. And a lot of the guests on here are something along the lines of management or sport management, things like that. But we do have a lot of guests that are maybe completely out in left field that, you know, teachers or coaches is a common one, but uh, history majors, English majors, things like that. But um, definitely having that ability to work with video and, and have that, you know, cert certificate to kind of get your foot in the door, it would help. And um, an amazing opportunity definitely to go to Europe and, in Italy, uh, not a lot of people get that opportunity, uh, especially with sport or something as unique as that. So I'm um, interested to hear that as well. Uh, next, I want to move into maybe some of the early experiences in sports. One of them is the game day intern with the Denver Outlaws. Uh, just talk about that initial experience and kind of what you learned, uh, you know, dipping your toe into uh, that side of sport. Yeah, so after that experience in Italy, I knew I wanted to go into sports. Um, and luckily, Someone who worked in the club sports office at the university knew someone else who worked with the Denver Outlaws, and they're a professional lacrosse team um, that plays in Denver. Um, so he was able to kind of link me up with someone there. Um, and I think that's really where I learned kind of how many moving pieces there are to a, not only a professional team, but making a game happen between you know, all the marketing that goes into it, kind of the in-game, like contests, um, ticket sales. So it was a really good opportunity for me to see kind of the different areas within sports um, and then just really how much of a production it is to just make a single game happen, you know, let alone an entire season that's months long. For me personally, I had an experience with the Niagara Ice Dogs. That was probably my first uh, introduction to a team sport on that side. And it, it really is eye-opening to just how much, you know, how many minor details go into a production, like you said. So um, for anybody that's looking for a way to get into the game and, and kind of open their eyes to how many opportunities they are, a game day internship is, uh, you know, one of those uh, great opportunities that are out there. 
right before that, and maybe we probably should have touched on it a little bit before, but uh, you also work with the CU Sports Club. Just talk about your role there as a volunteer videographer and, and kind of what you learned in that role. You know, I, like I said, I wanted to kind of get into sports and kind of marry my film background with my love for sports. Um, and the men's lacrosse team needed someone to just film their games. Um, someone who was in the film program had started more of a kind of production about the team um, that made it almost like, um, you know, like Road to Stanley Cup or Quest for the Cup type of thing that was more of an inside look. Um, which I thought was really interesting. And I kind of wanted to go into that too, but the coach just said, hey, we need someone to film our games. You know, if you're available, that'd be great. Um, so I, you know, stood on a huge lift in the middle of, you know, the field and it was windy a lot of the time and it was terrifying as well, but it was a really good opportunity again to kind of see, you know, the production that goes into it and also just kind of getting exposed to a different sport um, lacrosse is really big in Colorado and kind of the West Coast in general. So, um, you know, they're very similar to hockey. It's a very flowing sport. So it was good to kind of see how another team operation and just be a really small part of that. Yeah. And like, again, any opportunity to learn something new and get your hands dirty in a different area uh, will pay dividends when those, uh, as people like to call them, sexier positions come up, the more glamorous roles and and soon enough, that role would come. Uh, you're able to work as a volunteer video coordinator with USA Hockey. Uh, you know, how did you find yourself working with USA Hockey, which uh, many people would be interested in? And uh, how was that initial experience there? Yeah, so um, I mentioned my club coach, Kristen Wright, um, who now works for USA Hockey. But, you know, kind of introduced me through that one tournament. Um, and, you know, really, I would say it's kind of a networking um, I think a lot of these opportunities come from kind of who you know, but also letting people know that you're interested in doing these things. Um, and so I just, I told her it was something I thought I wanted to do. And um, she was able to kind of get me opportunities as we went along. And they kind of started out more as not quite an intern, but pretty low level, like you're kind of doing the grunt work, um, you know, filming practice, which is kind of boring um you know at these camps that are in the middle of nowhere so um it was a good start and it really it makes you appreciate kind of like I said that grunt work that it's not sexy um it's kind of boring and monotonous but um it gives you a really good appreciation again for just how big of an operation it is and everyone contributes in some sort of way yeah great point to make and um another what some people would call grunt work area or, or something that gives you a bigger appreciation for things that happen on the ice are work as an official. And, uh, you know, we, we've had a couple of guests, uh, Daniel Deshane is one that talked about his role as a referee and how it helped him work as a scout, but uh, you also had some time as an official. So talk about that role and how you kind of uh, got into it. And then maybe some things that you learned that you now use on the other side. Yeah. Um, so once I was done playing club hockey at uh, CU, I wanted to stay involved in some way. And this was before I kind of knew about um, video, like video coaching. Um, and so the next logical thing was, well, I'll just become a referee, you know, that way you still get to skate, you can make some extra money. Um, and again, my old coach was a level three or level four official um, at that time. So she again was a mentor and was like, hey, I think you'd be really good at this. 
you know, I was a goalie, so I saw a lot of the ice when I played. Um, so I just got started and it, it was another thing that I really, really enjoyed. It was another aspect of hockey that I got to see. Um, and it makes you appreciate how hard it is to be an official. Um, you know, especially you have 10 players on the ice at a time and a lot, a lot of times, like in those lower levels, there's two officials. So it's you two against, you know, 10 players and then two teams. So um, it just helped me kind of see the game differently. Um, and as a video coach, you know, you kind of understand the rules a little better um, and maybe understand that referee mentality about why they made the calls they did or why they didn't. Um, so it kind of gives you a different lens into the game and kind of what goes into it. Yeah, it really is uh, something that opens your eyes. And uh, me, I only played low-level house league, but even the referees in that, you know, sometimes they'd make a call and it could just be a kid on the weekends who's looking for a little bit extra money and you have two or three coaches, you know, ready to tear his head off. So you get those situations where, um, you know, you're able to take a step back and see the game for, you know, at the grassroots level how it really is. And you're able to appreciate them when referees and, and calls are made at the higher levels. and for someone like you as a video coach, uh, you know, when you're challenging calls and looking at different things, it just gives you a different approach and a different perspective on, on different things that happen within the game. So definitely yeah. helps you uh, develop a thick skin as well. I think some of the hardest games were those YMCA, like Saturday morning games where the coaches, like this is what they lived for. It was like Saturday morning, they were coaching their kids team and they would just give it to you like as you skated by. So um, it definitely, you know, it makes you laugh, but it kind of helps you develop that thick skin where, you know, if someone's mad at you, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, I got it. And like, you can just move on. Yeah. And I think that's one of those skill sets that uh, many people definitely benefit from at some point in their careers. But if you can develop it early on and, and officiating will, we'll, you know, develop it very quickly. So uh, definitely something that I'm sure, you know, later in your career, you, uh, you, you know, reap the rewards in that role as well. Um, the next role I wanted to move into is your video coach role with USA Hockey. Uh, you know, you've done some work with U18 and the senior women's national team. Uh, just talk about, again, how you kind of progressed to that stage and uh, walk us through some of the different roles and responsibilities that you've held uh, working with USA Hockey at that level. So it pretty much started um, every summer. There is a player development camp for the girls and the boys. Um, usually it's U18, U16, there's different age groups. Um, so the girls development camp is always in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Um, and I started out just as a video coordinator and it was that kind of lower level grunt work where we were working with, um, at the time it was Nick Lorela who was the video coach for the national team. Um, so he kind of ran the video operation um, and I would just kind of assist him and help him out um, so I started doing that in 2015 and did that for a couple of summers. And then I think it was 2017, um, Reagan Carey, who was the GM of the women's national team at the time, um, pulled me aside and asked if I would be interested in working with the U18 team. And, you know, I was honored. I was really excited. Um, and she told me they were going to Russia that year for Worlds. Um, and first she asked if I would be available and I said, I can make myself available. Um, so it was a couple of years of doing kind of that grunt work. Um, you know, you're in the dorms for the week at camp and it's not glamorous, but 
it is a lot of fun. There's a lot of good people and a lot of good coaches to work with. So just kind of slowly moved my way up. Um, I worked with the U18s for that season, um, won a gold medal in Russia, which was awesome. And then, you know, the 2018 Olympics happened. Um, and after that, there were a lot of changes that happened on the national team side. Um, Nick Lorela stepped down and Reagan Carey left. Katie Million came in as a GM and she just kind of asked me to be the lead video person, um, which was really exciting. It was kind of the culmination of, you know, a few years worth of doing that grunt work, going to camp. Um, and so I kind of just started leading the video operation and asking people to join and kind of overseeing things. Yeah, it's a tremendous path and story to hear about. And um, again, you know, you put in the work and you work your way up that ladder and eventually you're rewarded. And uh, briefly, you touched on it there, uh, being rewarded with a championship with the U18 uh, women at the World Championship. Um, maybe just talk about that experience specifically and kind of how that uh, tournament went and then the feeling of ultimately winning it at the at the end of it. It was pretty surreal. Um, you know, I was just thinking back a little while ago about geopolitically kind of how interesting it was to be in Russia at that time. Um, there was, you know, a lot of controversy between the U.S. and Russia. Um, so it actually was a little nerve wracking to go over, um, to be completely honest. And, you know, all of our jackets and our backpacks, there's like USA all over them. So you kind of felt a little uneasy like you know are people going to spit on us or are they just going to give us dirty looks um but it was just really cool to see a different country um and you know it was kind of bare bones at first it was a little eye-opening like when we got there there was no wi-fi at the rink um <laughs> it was just it, like i said it was very like bare bones setup we were just kind of in like a balcony almost um, I had the laptop like on my lap, just sitting in a chair. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Um, and I was just really impressed with that group of girls and the pressure they were under. I think they had won four or five straight gold medals. So expectation was a gold medal. Um, and they just, you know, they performed like they were such a good team and they really came together and it was a great coaching staff um, and just kind of surreal to win a gold medal like you go through this whole process of selecting the team you travel however many hours it is to Montreal, and then you know after a week and a half you get to see the girls with their gold medals and celebrating with their parents so it was a really really awesome opportunity yeah and definitely one that not everybody gets to experience but you were lucky enough once again to, to kind of get in there and um, get to see another part of the world like I know you you said that it was maybe a little bit nerve-wracking just you know some political things there but um, you know anytime you get to travel the world and, and, and be involved in hockey and and win at the national level it's uh, it's an experience that I'm sure nobody including yourself would, would pass up for anything. Yeah and it was actually really cool so we were in a smaller town called Dimitrov which was a, probably like an hour outside of Moscow and the first game was Russia versus Canada, and it was completely sold out. I mean, like 2,500 people, they had like cheerleaders in the stands. So, you know, I say it was bare bones, but the Russians were really, really excited to have um, the tournament there. And they showed up every time Russia played, it was completely sold out. Um, so it was really cool that way too, to see 
how much other countries care about not just hockey, but women's hockey as well. Yeah, definitely a progression there as well. And we're seeing it in North America, but uh, like you said, it's exciting to see it in Russia as well. And, uh, you know, anytime you can have that fan support, whether it's your home team or the team you're playing against, it still makes the atmosphere exciting for everybody. So another great point to make there. Um, so now today you're uh, you're working with Wisconsin hockey, uh, but you know it was a bit of a maybe a couple different positions before you get getting to where you are today. So uh, just talk about your first role as the women's basketball video coordinator and kind of the reasoning for going into that role and uh, what did you learn while working in basketball? So I actually um, had interviewed for the hockey position um, in the summer of 2014. And I didn't get the job and I was super bummed. Um, And I actually got a call a couple of months later from the director of video services and said they had a recent opening. It was with women's basketball. And he asked me if I'd be interested. And without even thinking, I was like, yes. Um, You know, the Wisconsin athletic department is huge. It's a really kind of renowned, it's in a renowned conference. Um, So I kind of figured, well, it's a foot in the door. Maybe I can eventually move over to hockey. Um, So I packed up all my stuff, moved out to Wisconsin. Um, I didn't know much about basketball. I knew the basics. um, But again, it kind of gave me that appreciation, not just for another sport, but also just college athletics in general, like the dedication that the athletes have. It's pretty much a full-time job for them. Um, And then going to school, having to maintain certain grades. Um, It was really eye-opening. So luckily the staff was very gentle with me. They knew I didn't know basketball, but, um, you know, they answered all my questions with a smile on their face. Um, And it was really kind of a family environment. And it was perfect because it was kind of the first time I was really far away from my family. Um, And they really just took me in and kind of prepared me for that jump to hockey. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a benefit when you can uh, go into a place and, and maybe it's a little bit unfamiliar with the basketball, as you said, but to have a staff that's willing to kind of take you along and, and teach you the ropes in that sport. And um, it definitely benefited them having you there with the video background and, and things like that. But uh, again, it just it shows your attitude for, for trying new things and learning. And, um, you know, eventually you were able to get back into hockey but it came first with the men's and the women's as a video hockey or hockey video coordinator, sorry. So uh, just talk about that in-between position. And then once again, the experience of uh, working with women's hockey as well as men's hockey. Yeah, so I definitely learned a lot about time management um, when I was with both teams. Um, so college hockey in the States, a lot of the time teams will play Friday and Saturday night or Saturday, Sunday. So it's usually back to back. So there were weekends where I had four games in about 36 hours Um, and it was, it was a lot, but looking back, you know, it was a really unique opportunity to kind of be involved with both teams. Um, You know, Mark Johnson is the head coach of the women's team. Who's one of the most humble people you can work with, but also just such a great hockey mind. So I was really lucky to work with him and his staff and also the men's staff and just, see different coaching styles, different styles of play. Um, So it was a lot of work. It was a lot of stress. um, But I think it really gave, again, gave me an appreciation for how hard, you know, the coaches work, how much goes into, um, you know, trying to help these athletes get to the next level, whatever that is, you know, on the men's side, 
you want to play professionally after you're done for the women. Um, a lot of those players were competing for national team spots for the U.S. and Canada. So um, it was really awesome to get to work with, you know, both groups of student athletes and both coaching staffs. You know, you're, you're getting more experience and more repetition with the games. And I like the point you just said about the time management. I think that's one of the more, you know, underappreciated aspects of, uh, of video coaching and the video coaches that I know. And even myself, just trying to work with some of the softwares, like it is time consuming. And to think of, you know, four games in 36 hours, like it, it blows my mind to even, you know, try to wrap my head around that. And I'm sure at first it wasn't easy, but, you know, you work at it and you get better as you go. And, um, you know, in, in Wisconsin, you kept going and you're able to work with the men and it's a lot of them looking to move to the NHL and things like that. And the women, uh, you know, there's more opportunities coming up now, but a lot of them have uh, national aspirations and things like that. And uh, today you're uh, working with the men still, but you're also the assistant director of, hockey, uh, of operations. Uh, maybe just talk about your current role um, and then some of the different roles associated with your current position. Yeah, so I'm really lucky that um, Tony Granado, when he came in, he really saw the value of video. Um, and for him and his staff, kind of coming from that NHL mentality where they had a video coach or more than one video coach, um, he asked a lot of me that first year when I was still with women's hockey. Um, so he pretty much went to our administrator and said, I need a full-time video person um, and really vouched for me. So it's a really unique like position and opportunity in college sports to pretty much just be a video coach. Um, you know, the operations is tacked on there, but I would say probably 80% of my job is strictly video, um, which is right in my wheelhouse. So, which is great. And I help out wherever I can. Um, but I try to just be really a jack of all trades. Um, there's been some graphic design, you know, in designing different things to send out to recruits, um, making pump up videos for the guys um, this year because our coaches can't travel to recruit. Um, it's finding a lot of that scout video of different leagues and getting it to them. So um, it's really evolved into a lot more than just coaches video. Um, I think everyone knows technology advances at a pretty rapid rate. So I'm always trying to see, you know, what other teams are doing, what NHL teams are doing as well, um, and trying to just kind of keep pressing forward, um, just making sure we're never super comfortable, that there's always that push to get better or, you know, do something differently that might help everyone out. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the constant evolution and pushing for something new is something that's tied in analytics as well, which, uh, you know, on the uh, the roundtable, we talked about that integration. And um, it's always good to be proactive in those areas, just because uh, when you do take your foot off the gas and, and kind of get caught behind, uh, you know, it's really it becomes a disadvantage. So uh, it's great to hear that you're, you're willing to uh, keep everybody uh, in motion and, and continue to look for new ways to learn and uh, we talk about that constant progression. Another area that there's a lot of constant progression is the level of play at both the NCAA and USA Hockey, uh, especially on the women's side. So, um, you know, uh, for someone like you who has primarily been involved in those two levels, uh, just talk about the uh, the level of play at the NCAA and, you know, women's hockey level and, and just kind of uh, what you've seen working at those levels the last few years. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot like the NHL, the speed of the game has really picked up um, and the skill level, especially I would say women's side, um, you know, just the skill that you see is 
you know, comparable to the men and people may not believe that. Um, but a lot of the women's game is so cerebral and there's just so much finesse because there technically is not supposed to be physicality. Um, so I think, you know, it's gotten so tight in terms of competition and parity. Um, even in, you know, women's college hockey before you had your powerhouses, Minnesota, Wisconsin, some college, um, you know, and there's still powerhouses, but you have teams like Clarkson and Princeton and Ohio State kind of making that push. Um, and you're seeing a lot more parity in women's college hockey, which I think is really exciting. Um, you know, and same on the men's side, you always had North Dakota, Minnesota, you know, Boston College, Boston University, um, but you're seeing kind of those, you know, traditionally smaller schools um, find some really elite players and put together teams that, you know, can really compete. So, you know, I think the competition has gotten closer and the skill level and the speed just continues to grow. And a lot of that is just really good coaching and finding players um, and, you know, just an evolution of hockey in North America, I think. Yeah, I think those are great points. And it kind of ties into, once again, you said in Russia, the fan base, you're seeing a lot more investment in these sports and, uh, you know, the women's leagues here in North America, um, hopefully are going to continue to progress and um, NCAA division one, all the way down division three. Um, it's, it's just constant growth and uh, really some outstanding hockey across the board, which I think just goes to show uh, the level of dedication, even at the grassroots level growing up, um, you know, you're looking at states like Arizona and, and some of the southern states and the products that are coming out there, uh, you know, in addition to the northern ones and everything in between, but um, definitely an interesting thing to uh, consider. And uh, at the same time, there's a lot more opportunities for people like you and me who are looking for jobs. So that's always great as well. Another area where we're seeing some progression is uh, women in hockey operations. And with you having a pretty good role there, I just wanted to talk about that topic. Uh, maybe give your thoughts on where you're seeing the, uh, the growth going in women in hockey operations roles and uh, maybe where you see some limitations or areas that we can look to improve, uh, you know, in that area of hockey. Absolutely. I always love running into other uh, women who are working in hockey, especially with, um, you know, men's teams. Um, University of Denver has a female director of ops who's really talented. Um, Providence men's ice hockey team as well, who, um, is also the video coach for the U.S. junior team this year. Um, so I think you're starting to see teams kind of at that aspect um, and realize the value of, you know, having a woman on staff. It's not something that is going to hold them back, but it might do the opposite. Um, it might bring in a new perspective. Um, and so it's not a bad thing at all. And I think, you know, you see teams – and I'm adding those roles, um, even at the NHL level, you see female scouts now, um, you know, different areas of the game. So um, it's, for me, it's still kind of slow. I would like to see, you know, like a female GM or a woman coaching a men's college hockey team or, you know, a youth sports team or something like that. So there's still definitely work to be done, but I think there's been kind of a good progression and a good trend of, women getting into these roles and um, really making a name for themselves. Yeah, we're seeing the progression for sure. Um, I agree with you. It's maybe not as fast as it should be. Um, you know, a couple of those people that you mentioned uh, were people that immediately came to my head. 
uh, we're seeing some management positions open up for women in, uh, you know, in Europe and in the Swiss A League, we're seeing some positions there and people like Rachel Dory who have spent time in the NHL and LA Kings and Anaheim Ducks have scouts and analysts who are, are female as well. So um, definitely you're, you're seeing it more common uh, the last couple of years, but hopefully it's something that continues to progress. And, and I, I think with the, the growth of women's hockey overall, we're seeing women take the lead on some of those teams and, and some of the major positions. And I think it's only a matter of time before, like you said, it's, it's at the NHL um, and it's in those prominent, you know, director of scouting hockey operations and, and ultimately general manager role as well. So something to yeah. consider. It'd be great if, you know, one day it's not really even a talking point. It's just, yeah. oh, you know, this person was hired. Like, they have a great background. It's not the fact that they're the first female in, you know, whatever position. Um, that's kind of the dream. But uh, slowly, slowly but surely, we're getting there. Yeah, and I think by having these conversations, um, more and more eventually it will just be become that common conversation saying, hey, you know, there's another female in the general manager role or head coach role. And uh, hopefully someday we'll see one of those teams even win a Stanley Cup. And I think that would be kind of a crowning moment there for sure. But something that we should continue to do uh, to strive for uh, on a daily basis. So uh, before we move into some more reflective questions, uh, one of the aspects uh, that people like to hear about, and we talked about it a lot on the round table is uh, video coaching. Uh, early on and in throat trying to learn new concepts and things like that, there's a lot of things that people may struggle with uh, in a video coaching role. Uh, just talk about your progression, maybe since you started to now on uh, some of the things that you've learned and worked through and maybe some tips on how people can look to progress in that area. Yeah, I think, you know, looking back, a lot of the way that I did things was probably pretty inefficient. Um, and that probably was just kind of a matter of survival almost just you know, especially with basketball, um, there's so many games like during the week, it's a quick turnaround. So a lot of that was just trying to get things done. Um, and so now I try to think a little bit more efficiently, how can I do this the best way possible, but not spending all of my time on it. Um, so there's definitely a learning curve. Um, and I think it can be really intimidating for people. Um, if they're not great with computers, or they don't have a video background, um, but I would definitely say just ask a lot of questions. There's a lot of really great resources there. Um, I'll definitely pump the Pro Video Coaches Twitter account. Um, there's a lot of really great people who are willing to help others out, um, myself included. I love talking to people who are trying to get into video coaching um, and just really try to grow that. But I would say networking is a huge um, aspect of it as well. And just knowing what you don't know, there are still things where I don't understand or I'm trying to learn, um, but there's a lot of people out there who are willing to answer questions and help people out. Yeah, that's a great point to make. And that, that ability to understand that maybe you have limitations here and, and to work towards those things, I think that uh, is more beneficial sometimes than just being good at everything you do, because uh, that way you discover new things about yourself and by having those conversations, you realize uh, something new and maybe an area that you previously thought you were, um, you know, as proficient as can be. Uh, that's definitely an aspect of analytics that I learn, you know, almost every single day. So uh, a great point for people to uh, take into consideration, especially in the area of video coaching. Um, I liked how you talked about Ian's uh, Twitter account, the Pro Video Coaches account, um, as a great resources for people 
who are looking to get into video coaching. But for you, uh, what are some of your favorite re uh, resources, whether they're books, articles, people you look to uh, for some new ideas and to continue learning? Yeah, so I like a lot, I don't know if they're self-help books, but kind of a psychology of really being productive or how to work with people. Um, someone gave me a book that's called Sticking Points. Um, and it's about how for the first time kind of in history, four different generations are all working together. Um, so you have you know, an older generation who they're on the brink of retirement, but they're still working all the way down to Gen Z who they're still you know, in college or they're fresh out of college and you have all these different generations working together. Um, for me, that's been really beneficial because there is a huge age gap. You know, you have coaches who are in their 50s and 60s and you have athletes who are 18 years old or younger. Um, so trying to figure out the best way to understand each other, I think is really, really beneficial. And it was really eye-opening to me um, to think about, you know, the things that might annoy me about, you know, people doing the way they do. Um, and just realizing, okay, that's because they went through this or this period in their life, it was this. Um, so I like to kind of understand how people work. Um, and I think that's a lot of video coaching too, is just being flexible and adaptable, um, especially with coaches who don't like technology. Um, so I think that's really interesting, but um, just like I said, asking questions a lot of the time, um, meeting people on social media who you know, are also video coaches, not just hockey, but other sports as well. Um, so just kind of that, again, that networking aspect, um, social media and kind of using it as a tool. Yeah, definitely has a number of great points there. And uh, one of the things that come up very often uh, are a lot of sports books and things like that when that question is asked. But a lot of times uh, it's just books on, on things like, like you said, working with different generations and leadership and and just working as a team like these like you said philosophy books kind of thing they, they have a lot of takeaways that you can really tie into sport and uh, especially in a role with video coaching where you are working with people who are great with video and then some people who you know would be totally fine just staying away from it so uh, when you take all those people into consideration and work on that flexibility sometimes it's good to have that uh, knowledge and different mindset for, for approaching those situations but Networking was definitely one of those things that you said is very beneficial. And a lot of times through that networking, you uh, learn about some mentors and you get to have relationships with those people. So uh, for your career to date, just talk about some of your mentors and uh, maybe name some lessons and, and different things that they've taught you uh, throughout your career. Absolutely. So I mentioned her before, but Kristen Wright, who was my club hockey coach at CU Boulder, um, she now works with USA Hockey, but She's known me since I was a freshman in college, you know, 18 years old, kind of eyes wide open. Um, and she's really kind of helped me focus in um, and really helped push me, um, not only, you know, as a player, but uh, once I was done with college and kind of helping me meet those people who would help me along the way, um, kind of throwing my name in the hat for a lot of things with USA Hockey. And it's been really fun to kind of see where she's gone with her career. Um, she actually was a lawyer for a short time. Um, she was in law school when she coached our team of misfits, as I like to call us. Um, so she has, you know, a really good mind and 
Um, she's always there if I have questions or if I need career advice as well. So she's definitely someone I always go to. Um, it's always fun to see her at camps and different things and kind of look back and see where we started at CU and, um, you know, kind of see where we are now um, 10 plus years later. Um, and then just a lot of coaches that I've been able to work with too. Um, Joel Johnson, who was the U18 coach when we went to Russia. Um, he's also an associate head coach at Minnesota with their women's program. He's been a really kind of great mentor for me, more so probably on that psychology aspect. Um, and really, you know, he's someone I can call and just ask about anything from life to hockey stuff. Um, I know that he's always going to answer and he's going to give me really great advice. So he's definitely someone I go to. Um, and the coaches I have now, I mean, they've been so many different places, you know, in the NHL, AHL, um, different international tournaments, and they just have kind of a world of experiences that they're willing to share. Um, they push me a lot of the times and really push me to get outside my comfort zone, uh, which I really appreciate. So I've been really lucky to work with a lot of really great coaches um, who have really kind of helped me progress in my career. Yeah, and when you have a community of those coaches, which is the case at the NCAA level, but really at any level we go to in, in the hockey community, there's so many great people who are willing to, uh, you know, offer you advice and, and push you in different areas. And uh, maybe if it's something that you're new to, they can kind of work uh, in a way that helps you kind of progress in that area. So a number of great things that you can learn from mentors. And sometimes it's even people who are just your colleagues or um, you know, it could be even be interns working below you. You always have these different interactions and uh, you never really know what you're going to learn through the conversations. So as a final question on the podcast, uh, if you could go back in time, maybe to yourself when you're still in high school uh, or someone who's, you know, pretty green and looking to enter the industry, what is one final piece of advice that you would give them uh, in hopes that they become a video coach or work in hockey operations? I think patience is a big thing. Um, you know, even when I started at Wisconsin, it was kind of like, okay, well, I want to go work in the NHL as a video coach. Um, and you realize there's so many steps to get there and it's so hard to get to those really high level positions. Um, so I think just having patience and that doesn't mean that you can't dream big and work towards those dreams, but realize there's a lot of learning to do in between um, and really kind of being a sponge and taking those lessons and listening to people who have either been there or know people who have been there, you know, like coaches who have played or coached abroad, um, you know, ask them questions, ask them stories. There's always something to learn. Um, so just be a sponge, be patient um, and just work hard. It's not an easy job. It's, it can be a grind during the season. So um, just making sure, you know, you stay in touch with those dreams and realize like you get to work in hockey and it's not easy, but it's fun um, and just stick with it. Yeah. And anytime you get to work in a game like this, it's a really a dream come true. And if you treat every level like your NHL and, and kind of work at it that way, eventually good things will come and you'll be able to progress while having fun, uh, you know, along the way. So uh, Emily, I just want to once again thank you for joining us for the second time uh, on the podcast and sharing your career this time around. I uh, learned a lot through your experiences and I'm sure there's a lot more to come for you. So I'd just like to uh, wish you all the best moving forward. All right. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you. Take care.
I'd like to thank Emily for joining me on the podcast once again to talk about her career. She gave a lot of great advice this time around on video coaching, women's hockey, and more. So again, I'd like to thank her for sharing that information. If you would like to get in touch with Emily to discuss her experiences, I encourage you to reach out to her directly or contact Podcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Chris DePiro, former OHL team executive and former NHL amateur scout. Not knowing Chris before the interview, I was quickly able to create a connection and he was very open about experiences in a wide range of positions, so keep an eye out for that release on Sunday. Once again, thank you to everyone for supporting the podcast, and be sure to let us know who you would like to hear from in the near future. As always, stay safe, and all the best.